0: Welcome to LPA Presents. I'm your host, Matthew D. Rhodes. Today, we're here with local screenwriter and director, David Smith. David has worked around West Virginia on several smaller projects, which can be found on YouTube. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I've got a list of questions I'd like to ask and we'll try to comment on your answers as time permits. Are you ready? Okay, sure, yeah. What inspired you to pursue a career in screenwriting and directing?
1: I, in screenwriting and directing i i just I, i've always wanted to do it you know like i i've wanted to to specifically writing specifically like i i i think i've wanted to do it before i knew all the ins and outs of it like i remember i the, the, the development of it i remember it's like as a kid Draw TV schedules that would would have shows that I liked, but also shows that I wanted to make up. But mm-hmm. like, I wanted to um, to be like a uh, you know, I was really into Power Rangers as a kid. And <laughs> I really wanted to both be a Power Ranger and make uh, the Power Ranger stories. You know, <laughs> like I remember directing yeah. my uh, my little brothers uh, into like our old like make believe Power Ranger stories. And and you know, it's weird. I I've always I guess been you know super into like pop culture and stuff. So I, I think I remember, um, I watched friends like before, like w- w- way earlier than I should have been watching it. You know, now it's having that Renaissance, like on Netflix and everything. But I remember there being like an episode of friends where, mm-hmm. uh, where like Chandler and Joey are, uh, are, they're going to write a movie like the Goodwill hunting guys. And I didn't know Goodwill hunting or Ben Affleck or Matt Damon <laughs> or anything, but like, I, I, uh, I remember like that's that's a memory I have of seeing that episode and then and putting it together like oh yeah, okay. So it's there are people behind the camera making up the stories and stuff. <laughs> and so like slowly uh I, yeah, I, I remember that being a moment realizing that uh oh Jim Carrey, even though he might improvise, he doesn't necessarily like make up everything he's saying. There's someone else who does that. So like as as I would Put that stuff together, you know, once DVDs started becoming huge and like Mm -hmm. DVD commentaries, I would devour those and just sort of slowly made that shift from like my dream as a kid wanting to be in front of the camera, making up everything, (laughs) wanting to be uh, uh, behind it and, and making, you know, making stuff up.
0: I was actually uh, happy that they decided to start making behind-the-scenes featurettes inside of DVDs. Yeah,
1: yeah fun- that was—I or- was, mm-hmm. was going to say, like, DVD commentaries, but also, weirdly enough, blooper reels. Like, I know bloopers have always been a thing, but <laughs> I, somehow in DVDs, but, like, that was—I remember being in, like, must have been late middle school or something, putting that together when I, when I would see— in blooper reels, you see the same scene, you know, through all the different angles, all the different coverage. And that was like, as a child, when I put it together, like, Oh, Oh, they're filming the same thing from multiple angles. Mm-hmm. And, and that must be how you make a movie. And I, and like that, the first short film I ever did was like, a, like an experiment to see if I was right, like about that. <laughs> so Yeah.
0: But, of course, you know, um, when it comes to improvising on set, look look at Robin Williams. Robin Williams, what they did was they let him riff on a lot of what he did for Aladdin, and then they chose the best lines and then added it in. Yeah. So sometimes it's not always about, oh, we're going to write the screenplay and then have people voice the lines or whatnot. It's we're going to have some context and then let people riff.
1: Let people go up. and that—that's what I think. You know, so because of learning it the way I did, I—I I think originally I was never someone, and always I—I always, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me being a people pleaser or whatever. But I've never been the kind of director who's like, you have to say everything I've written exactly like it is. Like I've always, I like it when people would go up, and so that like has definitely. I realized pretty early on that as much as I love writing and got into this through writing, like my favorite stuff whenever I'm filming something tends to be the stuff that's unplanned either because mm-hmm. someone ad-libbed something or really often in the case of my like low to no budget guerrilla filmmaking, it's like we'll be planning to uh, film at a location and it's like, Oh, all of a sudden we can't film there that day for whatever reason. So we got to change it to where it's happening outside of the office now or outside, and, you know, quickly like rewriting like on the fly like that, like, that's some of my favorite stuff in the movies I've done has been the the stuff that you figure out like in the heat of the mm. moment.
0: Yeah. So what is your favorite movie and why? Oh, man.
1: Uh, it's changed over the years, but I I think I've always had like a top five that kind of like changes, but I, I think it, it probably it's, I think it'd be safe to say it's adaptation, uh, the Charlie Kaufman movie. I'm not um, familiar with that one. Okay, that's uh, – do you know Charlie Kaufman at all? He did uh, Being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine yes. of the Spotless Mind is the one that most folks know. Yeah. Adaptation is uh, – it's a movie that he made where, – where, where, that he wrote. Um, he was hired to write an adaptation of this nonfiction book called The Orchid Thief uh, and had – Tremendous amount of trouble, uh, like, just just turning that book into a movie that he was satisfied with. So what he did was he channeled that frustration into the script, and part of it is an adaptation of The Orchid Thief, but the, the majority of it probably is about, like, he wrote himself into the script. So Nicolas Cage stars in it as both Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman, his fictional, uh, twin brother. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was that just that idea of like, I remember, uh, like watching the trailer for that and, and talking to like uh writer friends of mine of like, can you believe that someone did something this crazy, he wrote himself into his story. And I, I think, you know, the fact that I got into this through writing like, it was, I could relate to it a lot and, mm-hmm. and still, relate to it throughout the years, just that frustration of the, uh, of the writing process. And it's just so, it's a very personal story. I, I, you know, again, talk about things I came out of realized early on is that I, I, uh, you know, I, I write therapeutically or whatever, you know, so, uh, um, just that, uh, yeah, it's so personal yet. So, uh, just wild and, and, uh, it's a spectacle, and yet it's also someone trying to wrestle with his personal demons, you know? So, yeah, yeah
0: adaptation. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people tend to write themselves into their scripts in a way. Yeah. How do you typically approach writing a screenplay? Uh,
1: well, I'm – again, that there, there's not a – like – it's different project to project. There are similarities, and I've I've also, in addition to film, in addition to like writing, filmmaking, mm-hmm. I, I've always been particularly obsessed with like with productivity books, and <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, so I, I guess that that is to say I mentioned that because I wish that I did have a a uh, one size fits all answer, and I can't <laughs> seem to stop myself from trying to come up with one. So. I'll uh, I'll tell you how it's going now because it's a process that I've sort of you know, you know, like I said still in the works, but I I'm I'm trying to distill it so that I can get stuff written faster, which is mm. I I have to both outline and write as I'm going. Because yeah. if I try to sit down and make an outline and go right from that, then I don't know. It, the way I write, I try to get so into the characters that, like, I I know what they're gonna say, and it it just I don't think it's ever happened that I've written a script where if I'm going from an outline, at some point, it, it's never happened that, that I don't that this doesn't happen where, where um I'll write that I'll write a scene, and I know I need to get to the next bullet point in my outline or whatever, and I'm like, no, this guy wouldn't say that. I know this person now I've spent this many days with this person. The only reason they would say or do this is because I have an index card that says they're supposed to do this. And I, and I can't do that. You know, I have to then go back to the outline. But, but the other thing is I, I can't just build it from nothing. So I do have to like. I have to think about the story and I have to like I have to make that either bullet point list or list of cards or whatever and and write a little bit but then get to that point where it's like okay no I know these people I know that they would do this differently and so then I I improvise a little bit. In writing I'll improvise, like I'll mm-hmm. figure out kind of okay, well, what feels right that would happen next. And then I'll do that until I hit a wall until I'm like, okay, well now, now I don't know where to go. And then I'll go back to the outline, redo it some more. So it just, it always has to be kind of back and forth like that. And I, um, what I was saying about the process I'm in now, I'm trying to get stuff written faster. So basically, uh, I'm in the middle of starting a new project that I've been thinking about for a long time. So I'm, I've, I've spent the past week, uh, basically doing kind of R and D like research, like researching a lot, watching a lot of YouTube videos and documentaries about people that are similar to the characters periodically taking some notes so that I, I organize my, what I'm getting next week. I plan to use that stuff that I've been researching today to kind of improvise some potential scenes that I think mm-hmm. will happen. I'm hoping that what happens is From those improvised scenes that I write, I have a vague idea of how it's going to open. I have a vague idea of uh, what like kind of is going to happen between act one and act two, like the the, the, the turn that's going to happen. Uh, So I'm going to sketch some of that stuff out next week. Mm -hmm. Hopefully those sketches will allow me to start an outline and then it'll become that kind of back and forth, you know, outline a little bit, write some, just like I was saying, some.
0: I mean it could be it could be worse I mean one thing I'm doing is I'm not doing an outline I'm taking my original concept from my original book which I'm actually having to rewrite yeah and write the screenplay then go back and rewrite the book which then affects the screenplay yeah so you know
1: that that's uh, i think that's cool that like to being able to go back and forth between two different forms like mm-hmm. um i i mentioned uh when when we were kind of uh, exchanging emails about setting this interview up that i i have uh uh i've done a few features but it's all been a learning process so they're yeah. not all widely available but i do have my second feature uh on and and that's about a blogger who uh he uh, he blogs about like every single thing that happens in his life and it causes a lot of problems with his personal life. Yeah, I had a, I, I had that concept and I had a hard time writing it at first. And what I actually had to do with that, um, I never released it as anything, but I, I wrote like every not because every, he's been blogging his whole life. So I didn't write mm-hmm. every blog he's ever made. But for the course of the movie. I wrote it essentially like a first person novel. You know, I wrote like his blog entries and then from those from those blog entries I had written, I was able to like kind of say like, okay, well, this is this will be voiceover. But then this will be something where instead of like his blog in the movie, we'll we'll just see this acted out, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think you gain a lot from switching between uh, uh, forms of media like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Could you walk us through the process of making a film from concept to release?
1: I mean, yeah, I can can walk you through how I've done it, which isn't always the right way to do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But
1: I've – because it's – like I said, I've I've done indie projects. And when I say indie projects, I mean guerrilla style, like, uh, uh, you know. um, Yeah, so I'm a writer first – I write the script um, and actually, for not everyone has to do like this kind of stuff, but uh, I just I, I feel like it's important to point that out just because i I'm a big proponent of finding what works for you. But what works for me is, okay, so writing this getting the script to a point where you're happy with it. Um, which again, there's lots of things I can talk about even when it goes into that. <laughs> but when we're talking about from that to making a movie, um, I mean, bare, a lot of screenplay, I mean, a lot of filmmaking books even will not go into like kind of the, the, the bare bone stuff. Of it. But one, one thing I'll say is um, lots of books tell you to do a, a, a storyboard. Mm-hmm. Which I I mean is great if uh, and you're an animator, you know, so you've worked in animation, so that may work for you as someone yeah. who draws. I can't I don't like I get frustrated with the drawing and it takes me forever, but I'm a writer. So what I do is a a essentially a written shot list, a written mm-hmm. storyboard. You know, I will write down uh, what I'll actually do is write down every I'll get down to the minutia of like, like every cut in the movie, like every, okay. In each scene, I want to be on this angle for this line of dialogue. And then on this angle for this line of dialogue, which takes a lot of time to do, but it's worth it because then you can use that to reverse engineer and say, okay, well, how many setups do I need to get what I've written down? You know, how, how many, and, and that's important, I think, because, we were talking about like the the beauty of, of improvisation with your actors yeah. and everything. Yeah. So um, that that's something I, I again learned pretty early on is is uh, try to do as few setups as like try to film and again this doesn't work for animation, but like at least for for live action, like if you can figure out what cuts you need, but then reverse engineer that to to figure out how many um, shots like and and try to do as few shots as possible so that way because i mean i've acted before too so i just know if we're only recording a line or two you lose momentum so you know you use your written storyboard or your actual storyboard to figure out like what's the fewest amount of setups you can do anyway i'm getting lost in the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, the, in the fine details of that but getting uh so so that's that is the next step though for me is i mean i'm a big you know pre-production is will save you you like you know all kinds of trouble so uh figure out how many shots you need from that you can figure out uh how long it's going to take to film each scene um then make yourself a bunch of lists. You know, list every uh, every character that's in the movie, every location, every piece of wardrobe. You know, and and as you can build a team together, you can get people. You can delegate this to. But whether you're doing it yourself or someone else's, it's uh, the next step after the script writing. And after the shot list is just that that list making. Figuring out what do I need if I don't have this. Uh, what what's the barrier between making this piece of paper uh, something that I can watch on my, on my TV screen, you know, and just, just get really fastidious about, you know, like every, every little detail of what you need, then you can start figuring out like how much is it going to cost? How do I, you know, I don't know. This may sound really overwhelming to like some folks, mm-hmm. but for me, it's the only way to do it. If I don't have a, uh, and, and if you have that checklist, Of all the different little pieces that you need, then it also makes it easier to figure out, like, oh, what things can I can I like join together? Can I like how how can I uh, uh, cut costs or cut? You know, like, do these two locations really need to be two different locations, or can I can I combine things to make it you know both Mm -hmm. more cost effective, more? you know, easier on the actors, easier on the people. So just figuring out everything you need so that when you're filming, you're not just trying to figure out on the set, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, shoot, uh, um, shooting, building your, your puzzle pieces that you need for editing and, you know.
0: But isn't that why they have the marker at the beginning of each scene, make it easier on editing?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yes, and I the, there's a point there to be of, of like, and especially if you're working with a uh, an editor who's not yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's the thing that I guess haven't like on all the indie stuff I've done, like I've done stuff where I've pretty much. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I want to work more with a crew where I'm I'm realizing, Oh, I can't do everything. A lot of the things I don't like in my projects are a result of me trying to do everything. (laughs) But I, I, up up to this point, I have like written directed and edited. So because I know I'm going to be the one editing uh, and because I'm not working with necessarily a professional crew all the time mm-hmm. yeah we'll use a marker but the only reason we'll use a marker is because oh that's what you do on a movie but like we don't if we if we wrote the stuff but i'm not saying not to write the stuff down because mm-hmm. if you do you'll save yourself a lot of time <laughs> when it comes to editing <laughs> i don't always but th- that's just because i know like when i'm editing i, I and I, I do, I organize the file names by like what take and stuff. But I I do it like all after the fact, I guess, just because I'm trying to I, if I'm honest, it's probably just because I'm trying to uh, get people, both the cast and crew that I am working with in and out as quickly as possible. That right. day. I'm just, I, mean, I haven't gotten to pay. I want to pay people. I haven't. It's all been volunteer up to this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to be respectful of people's time.
0: So. I understand that one. Yeah. So how important do you find research to do or to be when writing a screenplay?
1: I find it very important. Um, I just also think. Mm -hmm. I think there is a balance between getting all of all that you need for research and. At least for me, using it as a procrastination tool, you know, (laughs) because uh, that's the thing is, like I said, I've been researching this new project. And so it feels kind of like when you're watching a movie in class at school, you know, because it's like, all right, this is the fun week. I just get to sit down and have snacks and watch documentaries. I am learning. And it is if I didn't do this, I wouldn't have the stuff. But, you know, I. I. I know that on past projects I've been guilty of, I think probably trying to do more research than I need to, because the only thing is like, you'll never know everything, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to know enough, but you also like, it's, it's a combination of intaking information and creatively, you know, reconstructing that. And also just, being creative you know using your imagination and uh and and yeah figuring out like okay well what how can i combine everything that i've read watched and listened to about this subject with my own experiences and with just the magic of like man my my favorite thing i mentioned that on my movies my favorite thing is the stuff that I didn't write down.
2: Yeah.
1: Now I'm trying to focus more on just screenwriting so that even as I was saying that, I was thinking like, God, am I going to lose that? But, but I'm not really, because my favorite thing, I think when I'm writing and I, I don't know if you experience this too, but I, I feel like most writers do is when you write something and you're like, I don't know where that came from. Like most of my favorite lines in, in my movies that I've written mm-hmm. um, there, the lines were like, I don't know. I couldn't sit down and like a math problem, like come up with this line or something. It just <laughs> came because I got that momentum. I, I was writing and then suddenly this character said this thing. And a lot of times it's something that like I would never say. So, yeah, it's, it's that uh, research is very important, though, because you it, it does if, if if you're not researching for one thing, things aren't going to be authentic. And I know just as an audience member, that really bothers me when I'm watching a movie and I realize that like, Oh, I don't think this person has any idea like what, what it's like to, to do this job or Mm -hmm. to, to be in this place or whatever. So it's important for authenticity, but it's just also important to, uh, I think maybe at least for myself, continuously ask myself, all right, do I have enough? Which that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky that this, this. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it, just because I don't think I'll do it if I talk too much about it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a. I'm writing a horror film set in the world of, uh, of productivity and life hacking and everything. <laughs> so, um, so I already know a lot about it, and I've, and I've spent the last week reading a lot about, you know, and refreshing myself. And I, I realize that I, I, I do think I'm at the point where, okay. I've refreshed myself enough. Next week, I'm going to start sketching out some scenes, and through that, I will find out uh, what I do know and what I don't, what I just think I know, and then I may do some more research after that. After after experimenting and finding out how much I I actually, if I do know enough to write
0: it. Yeah, but have you thought about you know a horror film? Based on the folklore of West Virginia. I mean, that's a good source of. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually do any of those stories in uh, movie format.
1: I know there's some that exist. Uh, well, I know the big one. I've never watched it, but uh, the Mothman Chronicles, uh, the, the Richard Gere movie. Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's at least been one big budget studio uh, movie about the, the West Virginia cryptid. And I know uh, I know there's I've seen some ads for some other indies about the Mothman. I know at one point there were a group of filmmakers in the state who were working on uh, a horror film about the uh, the Flatwoods monster. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's a market for it. I just went to uh, the Mothman Mm -hmm. Festival for the first time, uh, (laughs) you know, last year. And yeah, yeah. People love their uh, their West
0: Virginia cryptids, <laughs> but I'm talking like Telltale tell, I like about sh- those stories.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I you know I've never read it, but I I know I've seen it like at Tamarack and everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's probably a very fertile ground for me. You know, for me it would have to be like I'm the the reason I'm trying to work on this horror thing is I'm trying to. Uh, trying to focus on screenwriting, trying to focus on – I don't want to write something just because I know that it will sell. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to things that are marketable, I know I've certainly watched – I'm not a big like horror guy, but my fiance is very into horror. I've started watching more because of her, and uh, and I've seen in that that there are movies where I'm like, okay – I liked this one because this one has themes that I care about and stuff. Mm -hmm. So within that world, is there something that I connect to? So for me or for, I think a lot of writers out there would be within that, that book of stories that you're talking about within Mm -hmm. West Virginia folklore with any of that, like, is there something that like you either that you personally connect to enough to motivate you to, you know, sit down for as long as you need to take, to, you know, to write a screenplay because it it can be a slog, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What challenges have you faced while directing a film? So
1: I've I've faced a lot because I, um, I, I got into like everything other than writing when it comes to filmmaking, I got into out of necessity, you know, just because I wanted to see my work on a screen. So I, I'm very introverted uh i i've you know i've come a long way but i still deal with a lot of anxiety uh so i working with people like you have to when you're directing on a set is just you know it's it's not it's a it's a big challenge for me to to be able to overcome you know Mm -hmm. um i mean that's so that's probably the biggest one is just just working with people just uh well, I just mentioned, you know, it's a hard thing to admit, but I, I should there's no reason why I shouldn't be writing the scene and take number down on a marker. That's like film 101. You don't even have to be. a. a I didn't go to film school or anything. You don't even have to go to know that that's something you should do. But again, like I said, if I had to really admit why I don't, it's probably because I just want to try to make things go faster. So. Yeah. That's a challenge and a challenge that I think I have overcome in realizing that, you know, I do. I want to pay people and I haven't really had the means to do that on a project yet. Yeah. But I think it is realizing if I'm not paying people, realizing that, like, hey, these are people who are like volunteering to work on your project. They wouldn't be here if they didn't care about it. So like trusting yourself to be like, okay, you, you can do more than one take. And I do, I do more than one take, but I mean, realizing that like, okay, we, we can be here a while. We don't have to like, I, I, I look at directing um, and I, I, I want to continue to do this. um, But I just don't want to have the movie suffer for it, but I do almost look at directing like I'm hosting a party. You know, like I want everyone to have what they need to do a good job and not be miserable. You know, so I guess that's what The, the challenges come when things are happening that are making people miserable because. It always inevitably happens if you're working on a movie, like, Mm -hmm. and if you're working on a longer project, it's more likely to happen because it's more days, it's more sets, whatever, you know, Um, I've done a a lot of the movies I've done have actually been for uh, what they call these like 72 hour film festivals if people have listened to previous episodes of your show, I was actually just listening to one where they were they were mentioning to you a, a forty eight hour film project. Mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of places in the country they do these like forty eight hour film projects. I guess the ones locally they figure ah we need the extra day, <laughs> so they've been like seventy two hour films. <laughs> um, but what they'll do is they'll they'll give you uh, at a certain starting point they give you like uh, a couple of prompts uh, so that they know that this wasn't a movie that you made before, uh, that you're just submitting this thing. Like they give you like a couple of things that you have to include in the movie. And then you have literally three days to write, shoot and edit that whole movie. Yeah. Um, you're asking me about challenge or, uh, you know, what's, so that's, and I was uh, talking about, um, keeping people happy or I I guess that's the thing is I guess people in those 72-hour film contests, they realize more that, oh, this is a time crunch. So people are maybe a little more forgiving, but all right. I know I give kind of long-winded answers here, but the (laughs) succinct answer for this is, uh, is finding the balance between keeping your cast and crew happy and not letting the quality of the movie suffer. Right.
0: What advice would you give to someone who is interested in pursuing a career in screenwriting or directing?
1: Um, let's see. I would say it should be such a simple answer, but I okay. What else is is? Um, you were actually given this advice, like I, I on one of the episodes that I was just listening, reviewing a little earlier this morning, but I. I i would say just start doing it but but the caveat with the the added thing of figure out what works for you you know Mm -hmm. that's that's the biggest thing for me is that because i did like i just i remember um to me when i was a kid i thought like uh oh filmmaking is this big thing it's so complicated i could never do something like that because i wrote a lot of short stories and stuff like at first And, and and um I remember they used to have in Charleston, in the the capital of West Virginia here, they used to have this uh, um, what was called the West Virginia International Film Festival student film competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a table at the uh, at the book fair at the the book festival in Charleston. So I remember going up to that table uh, and they had information about their student film competition. And, and I was like, how are you supposed to just make a movie? And the guy at the table, I don't know who it was, but he was just like, Oh, it's not that hard You just, you know, get some friends together or throw up a lighter too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really, it is a lot more complicated than that. But that guy saying that was like, all right, I guess it is. So I tried it. This is a thing though. I tried it. And I, I read it because, you know, I, I, if I'm going to do something, I tend to do, like, all the research on it that I can do. Mm. So, like uh, – and I think that's what intimidated me maybe at first. I think maybe I actually had read a few film books before yeah. that and thought, like, God, they got, like, contracts in here and they have, like – this is all way above my head or whatever. Um, but I tried it. As I did it, I was able to, like, recognize – things from those filmmaking books, but oh, that's what this guy was talking about when he used that word that I couldn't understand. <laughs> and then there were certain things that I tried and I realized like, you know, it was probably storyboarding, you know. And I'm just I'm not the only one to have ever done a written shot list. But I I did I came to that by myself. Um I didn't read about it somewhere. And that was because I I did I tried storyboarding at first and I was like, mm. this is like this is taking too much time away and I, I think I know how to get the, the result that storyboarding is supposed to give without doing the part of it I don't like and then came up with the technique that did work for me. So it's a, a lot of experimentation, you know, trying uh, – not being afraid that if you're not doing something the way it tells you to in a filmmaking book that that you're doing things the wrong way, you know. Um, just, just trial and error – read lots of screenplays that's related to the trial and error because, you know, you you, you submit, if you, if you ask for, like, feedback on screenplays, you know, you get a lot of feedback that, like, says, like, oh, this isn't formatted this way, this is, like, this is supposed to be here or there, and then you start reading scripts and you realize that some of the greatest, like, award-winning scripts, you read a Coen Brothers script, those are formatted, like, Way different than, Mm. you know, than most screenplay books will tell you to format it. So you just kind of have to, but but there's a point to the formatting, but you, you kind of have to figure out like, okay, what, what works for me? What allows me to get this thing done? And if there's a piece of advice that everyone says to do that you just can't seem to follow, but you know another way to get that result, not being afraid to do that too.
0: What are some of your favorite filmmaking techniques or directors that have inspired you? Filmmaking techniques and directors.
1: Let's see. Um, hmm. I don't have an answer right off the cuff, but I, I'll I, I, it may be informed by what we've talked about so far, but um we've talked about you know improvising, letting the actors going, let it, kind of letting uh, uh, the, the spontaneity. Kind of inform the the work that you're doing, and that's mm-hmm. something that um, and a lot of people love them, a lot of people hate them. But like that, that became or not it, people are doing it before that, but uh, you know, Judd Apatow and a lot of his movies, and Adam McKay, these like comedy directors, they're mm-hmm. very famous for uh, you know doing a doing a take that is scripted, but then letting the cast just like go off, you know? Yeah. So that's that's a technique that I think is you know um, making sure that you've got what you need because that sucks to get in the editing room and be like oh man there's no way to piece this we we had a lot of fun on set but there's no way to make this something that makes sense <laughs> getting what you need but then getting something that you don't necessarily need but might be the thing that like kind of pushes it over the edge so mm-hmm. um, that. Uh, Wise, i know i know lots of other directors do this but just again like i said it, it, even though even though i know that i need to like balance the people pleasing with the quality of the movie mm-hmm. i still think that, that a priority needs to be keeping the people happy being very respectful of people's time i've been on a lot of sets with like filmmakers that i'm friends with or i admire but like And you're there all late into the night when you don't need to be and just Mm -hmm. so just like trying to be respectful of um, when you're doing setups, uh, just thinking about like, okay, what? If I've got a bunch of extras, can I maybe shoot the scenes with the extras all first so that I can let them go and then move into, cl- you know, just just being mindful yeah. of people's time, and that that's a good technique, and that that helps because especially doing indie stuff, you know, like that's how you get people to want to come back and keep working on your projects is is if people know they have a good time working on your thing then both they'll return to subsequent projects Mm -hmm. and they'll tell people they know so then you you get your network of people that can work on your stuff even wider the beauty of spontaneity and be nice to people
0: (laughs) Of course, there's a difference between volunteer work and paid work. Considering, uh, yeah, it, yeah, if you were to do paid work, you wouldn't have to worry too much about people's time.
1: True, yeah, but I think you still you still want to, you know, you don't want people to be like, oh man, this guy's miserable to work for, but at least the check <laughs> clears, right? <you> right. <laughs> so, um, and you're talking about film. Uh, did you ask about filmmakers that I admire? Mm-hmm. Two in that, yeah. Um. I don't, yeah, there's a lot, and there's uh, um, let's. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson's a big one, and that's before I work on any like feature film. I always, um, I always watched the like be the making of documentary uh, of uh, of Magnolia of one of his movies, and but that said, that's that's uh, that was a very intense project for him. So I watched that both because. It's kind of cool. I guess technique wise, you can see like he there's a really funny scene in that where he's pretending to be the camera and going through. But -hmm. then there's a lot of times where uh, it's a good example of what not to do when it comes to again, like just there's times where the the people are pretty miserable in a way that I think, uh, you know, maybe doesn't affect the performance that well and stuff. Mm -hmm. The PTA is a good one. I mentioned the Cohen brothers; they're awesome. Charlie Kaufman, um, Greta Gerwig is probably one of my new favorites.
0: I'm actually fond of the Wachowskis.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I don't know. I guess I haven't watched as many like um, out there like behind the scenes stuff, or or really even seen any interviews. But I know. I mean, you know, I love everything there's that I've seen, so.
0: Could you give an example of a scene or moment in one of the films that you're particularly proud of?
1: Oh, scene or moment. And you know, I don't know why I keep restating this. Is it? I know. <laughs> um, but your own personal yeah. work. Yeah. I, uh, um, hmm. I mean... A scene or moment, we're saying.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's actually not why because there's a movie I'm prouder of than this, but okay. So that second feature that I have up on YouTube, the one, the only feature I have up on YouTube, Escrobbitionist, it's called. Um, there is a scene in that in which the main character. He goes, um, with, I think it's a, the love interest in the movie. They go to a, uh, a class where, um, it's just PowerPoint presentations. It, it was based on a class that like a, a computer class I had where you could just do a PowerPoint presentation about anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just remember it was based on, it was based on that class. Like in real life, it was based on, uh, um, remember like and i i put this directly into that scene this happened in real life where like some older gentleman in the class uh who really didn't know much about computers or anything i don't know how he did this but there was a transition between slides in the powerpoint where it was just a giant baby's face that like zoomed in and then zoomed out uh he was like i don't know I don't know what that is or how that happened. It was so funny and ridiculous. It was one of those things that, like, you say, like, oh, you can't write this. You you can't like, you couldn't make it up, but it, but it did happen. But I did. I wrote it after it happened, and then built a scene around. Like, tried to reverse engineer it. Like, how can I get this to happen? Um, in my story, and so. And so that happens in it, but there's also, like, a bunch of other things that happen in that scene. Like, I, I had a lot of fun making up the fake PowerPoint presentations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, this whole sequence where there's a – she's she's in another market now, but we had, like, a local uh, meteorologist, Marina Jurica, here in Huntington. Um, I just had this one character in the class who my little brother played – have this like weird obsession with her and do this whole like PowerPoint presentation about how he wanted to get her to marry him <laughs> um that's in there so I I think and and a friend of mine was just mentioning that scene to me the other day as one of as one of her favorites um in any of my movies and I thought, oh, that was good because I, I like how it like it fit in the story I think I mean I guess that's subjective but I, I feel like it fit but it was also like just this like ridiculous almost digression, but I was like, that's my favorite thing is when I can like take ridiculous moments from my life and like fit them into a story. So, so that's probably, there might be others. There's others similar to that, but that's, that's one I can pinpoint at least.
0: Yeah. Now how do you approach casting and what do you look for in actors when you film?
1: So that's been something that has, changed based on um you know how much how big the project is you know um because like a lot of times when it's a, especially when it's a 72 hour film contest type deal mm-hmm. or or even if it's just like a no budget uh sketch or video even actually in the features up until you know the point that now like it's it's uh it's always been friends you know i'm the kind of person like who i know other filmmakers who are this way also but um you know anytime i go to a place anytime i meet someone i can't even help it part of me is thinking like oh, what would it be like if this person was <laughs> was in a movie you know what would it be like if this uh uh if this place was in a movie or whatever but i, I do that with people and they luckily um just through getting to know other filmmakers but also as a writer i um they're not really doing things as regularly, but there's uh, there's kind of a big like stand up scene in Huntington. There's a big stand up scene in Morgantown also. So this is yeah. something you might look at like I know a lot of uh, stand up comedians, and a lot of times because they like to perform anyway, you know, they're they're down to like be in uh, in videos like that. So how I approach casting a lot of times is you know just the fact that I, I have an idea anyway, just based on people I know who I've mm-hmm. met. And so you ask them and, and, you know, it helps if they're a comedian or an actor already, but I've definitely had moments where like, um, I've, I've asked people who are, you know, maybe not necessarily a traditional actor, but they might've done community theater or really enjoyed being in their high school play or something. And, um, I think like, I don't really love all the technical stuff when it comes to directing, but I do love working with actors, working on performances, and I I think I think training helps a lot with acting. But I think yeah. also if someone is has an interest in doing it, I mean th- it, this is not a catch all. There's some people who probably would love to do it and just for whatever reason can't, mm-hmm. but um. I think you can do. Di- I, I, if you direct enough, if, if you have a good enough connection with someone, you can get good performances out of uh, out of non traditional actors. So, I'll just say, up until this point, it's been asking friends uh, and finding people who both fit the character and are just excited and reliable. Um, but I did. Um, so, I don't know. Like I. I I've had movies fall apart before and I had it happen recently. You know, I I was Mm -hmm. planning on doing a big feature last year that just did not happen for a multitude of reasons. Um, But for that one, we did a casting call. It's not the first time I've ever done a casting call, but like that, that I haven't done a project since then. But Mm -hmm. even though that is kind of. Back to the drawing board. Right now, um, that's still the most recent project I've been involved with, and so we did a casting call for that. and uh, And I think that's with that. What I did was I. I uh, there's a lot of speaking parts in that, but I took, um, I took the five characters that had the most lines, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we would have people. I mean, I can get bare bones with it. We we uh, we knew that those were the scenes that people would be reading. And when we called people to casting call, um, my fiance helped us with like screening people out in okay. the lot. Like we were lucky enough to like have a, uh, you know, have an office where the, the auditions were held and yeah. then kind of a screening area out there. So she would meet with the people as they would fill in their like sign-in sheets and everything. And then she would be able to come in and say like, Hey, I think they might be good for this scene, but we still made all the sides available to everybody. So it was ultimately their decision. Like we, yeah. A lot of times, though, just in that situation, someone's nervous or whatever, you know, because they're there. So, um, if they had a part that they wanted to read for pretty strongly, we would let them do that. But, but still, I think if 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 there was a difference between what they wanted to read for and what we thought they'd be good for, mm-hmm. we would then have them go ahead and read the part that you know that we thought they'd be good for. So, yeah, so.
0: makes me wonder how um, I'm going to go about. Getting voice actors here in West Virginia, it's like, yeah, I could either try and hire locally or I could have, people yeah, work remotely.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I mean, I think if you have the time and resources to do it, it might be worth doing both because mm-hmm. my guess is that you would get more, um, you know, just a, you'd be able to cast a wider net by uh, by getting people remotely for something like that, but. It might be worth seeing. Um, you found any local folks, just because it would be something I think worth trying. That that idea of like, um, I know there's a different tone in your mm-hmm. project just from a little I know about it, but there, there's still if if you were in the situation where improvising or kind of you know where, where there might be a different connection you might feel as a director being able to be like you know having that that contact with that face-to-face uh uh, contact with them so yeah i if it was me i would probably want to try it both ways you know
0: the problem is with morgantown i don't know if you have the same issue in huntington uh, considering huntington has a college if i'm not mistaken Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah. 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 Marshall University is here. Yeah.
0: Well, considering WVU is here, how many of them would be students and how many of them would be able to stay for long periods after school lets out? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I know, I know in Huntington, we have a lot of folks who, um, you know, live off campus. And I mean, that's, that's me. I, I live, I, I, I grew up two hours away from uh, from Huntington in Oak Hill, West Virginia, but I mean, I, I stayed here uh, because it's uh, you know the, the, when I first got an apartment, got that taste of independence or whatever, you know. Like, and I know there's a lot of folks like me who just you know end up uh, sticking around and staying through the summer and stuff because you know. So I don't know how it is in Morgantown if there's a lot of folks like that, but I guess that's the thought too, though, is that if you. You could always, you might find that connection with them personally, but because they don't have to be with you directly, if it turns into a remote thing later, then that's a possibility too, you know?
0: Yeah. Considering Morgantown is like a ghost town uh, during the summer.
1: Mm, Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are some common mistakes that new filmmakers make and how can they avoid them?
1: Hmm. I, some of it I think I've talked about already, but just to to get back on is, is um the importance of pre-production. That's kind of, a, like I said, I just recently had a big project uh, kind of, you know, fall apart, at least for the time being. And one of the most embarrassing things was, was that afterwards, everyone was like, you know, everyone's very understanding. When mm-hmm. I would, when I explained to them what was going on with it, but they were also like, yeah, you know, just pre-production's important. And I wanted to be like, oh, I know it is. I did so much pre-production, <laughs> but, but even though that had, I, I as as bad as things were, like it would have been way worse if I hadn't done as much planning as I did. Yeah. And that, that's something I see a lot of people do. A lot of people just think like oh i'll just show up and things will just fall into place and it doesn't you you kind of you have to have a plan yeah i mean you don't there are some people and god it it, i get very envious when i see you know (laughs) but there are some people who are just a lot better at flying by the seat of their pants but (laughs) i'm not one of them and i and, and that's the thing is i see a lot of filmmakers like you get there on set and you kind of know immediately. You're like, "Oh, this person just wrote the script." They, they don't know when we're going to start shooting what, and it just that lack. Like, I feel like if nothing else, even if the plan completely changes, mm-hmm. having a plan means that you're going to show up as nervous as you'd be, you be. You'll show up a lot more confidently than you will without a plan. So that that's the thing. It's just, and and if you don't show up with that confidence. I've been on sets where it happens. We're just like, it, it just, everyone kind of knows like, Oh my God, I don't know what this thing is going to be and and things go off the rails pretty quickly. So, um, pre-production and again, it's nothing new, but it's, it's, uh, it's just, um, uh, like being mindful of, of people like, um, yeah, I've just been on lots of sets where we were there longer and, I mean, I know, like I was saying also that that we probably need to be a little longer on my sets that, you know, to get the quality of it. But if you are, God, it makes me send that, I won't say what it was or who it was, but I just remember being on this set specifically where they had this big, and it was a first time filmmaker. So that's why this happened. But like, it was a huge crowd of extras. And they, they shot like. All of the the close-ups first, you couldn't see an extra in the background at all. Like you could see the way they had their camera set up that mm-hmm. like you have all these people standing around all day. It was hot. It was an exterior scene, and they're filming scenes with the actors that like. And again, I'm a filmmaker, so that's the only reason I knew. You know, like oh, there's a different way to do this, but like. Uh, It just frustrated me so much that like we're all standing back there and then they don't get to our shot until like, you know, much later in the day when you could have shot the scenes with all the crowd and then the crowd could have left Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you get the people. So just just little stuff like that, you know, just being uh, uh, mindful and and connecting. Uh, I think rehearsals are good too. a lot of people. You don't always have time or money to do it, but Mm -hmm. um you know like it's that falls in line with pre-production but it's something that i think some people might miss i guess that and that that was the question is what do i see a lot of filmmakers not do and it's it's no rehearsals i i think mm-hmm. even if you don't rehearse the script but you should do because it, it's helpful to do that but just meeting with the the actors uh even the crew like beforehand so that you know so that you can build that rapport with them yeah so that so that it's not the first time that you're going over anything when you're on because when you're on the set there's a million you got to talk you got to like deal with all of these things that you just you know the location was this way before now it's this way so all these little (laughs) things always pop up so if you're having to deal with those little things on top Mm -hmm. of Building a rapport with your cast and crew, then you know you could save that time by just, just having a meeting and just rapport building and stuff. You know. Yeah,
0: well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for taking time of okay. your busy schedule. Of course, yeah. If you'd like Thank to get, for, into for, the- yeah, <laughs> I hope we can actually do this again. Yeah, of course. If you'd like to get into the entertainment industry, check us out each month as I interview industry professionals and newcomers alike. From actors and directors to crew members and the occasional author, we post each episode on the first or second of each month. Stay tuned.